0: Hi everyone and welcome back to Making It EV, your podcast about EVs. As always, we have Jolo Burnsy and myself, Nina, in the room. Hi everyone, how are we going?
1: You're good, how are you all going? Hello.
0: Hello, dear listeners. All right. Well, we've got a bit of an interesting episode today for you all. Uh, Joel went out and spoke to three different EV owners and asked them about their day-to-day, their driving habits, and also, more importantly, how they charge their EVs in three very different situations. Uh, So our first guest was Sean. Joel, do you want to tell us a little bit about Sean?
2: Sean is a good friend of mine. We both have just finished our university together. Uh, We both also had a first taste of a Tesla when we were in the US a couple of years ago, and I think Sean talks a bit about that. But it was was great just to talk to a few of my mates and for them just to tell us a bit about how they charge and what they think about charging and how they've been using their EVs. They're all fairly first, uh, they're all new owners and they've only had it for a couple
0: of years as well. So I thought it was really insightful. Exactly so Sean comes from Melbourne uh, and uh, you know inner city Melbourne so let's hear his story.
3: So I live in Melbourne in a inner city suburb called Richmond. Um, and I, uh, I am currently renting, but looking to buy a property at the moment, um, living in a townhouse, uh, which has a, a carport at the front. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've got a, got an EV and, and purchased it, what, two, almost two years ago now. Um, and I don't have a charging set up at home, um, because, uh, originally I was going to set one up when I got it. Um, but, um. The switchboard needed a heavy upgrade to be able to enable that. Um, so um, I uh, couldn't convince my landlord to uh, to do a heavy upgrade to the switchboard just so I could charge my car. But um, I've managed to make do uh, pretty well without it at home.
2: Fantastic. So, and what EV do you drive, Sean? We're so a
3: Tesla Model Three, um, yeah. which yeah, which is a great great car. Um, yeah, I think my perspective I, I had a, a leasing car so I always lease cars through work because I travel a fair bit for work and um, my lease was up kind of December 2020 um, and so I took the opportunity been looking at it for a while actually since we were in the U.S. and got to ride with uh, our friend from UCLA Gonzalez, uh, Death Star Model uh, S. And ever since I wrote in that, I was hooked, um, and uh, yeah, had, had a, a keen. I'm a very keen passion for technology, so that's kind of what draw me drew me to the Tesla. Um, but also, you know, passionate around the environmental impact and the long term sustainability uh, ramifications that come with uh, combustible
2: engines. And tell us about your weekly. Monthly driving habits, and I'm finding it very difficult to say, Sean. So I'm going to switch to purse because that's oh, what I call. No problem. Yeah, Sorry yeah, so to say, purse in. Um. Yeah, so tell us fun. about your weekly, monthly driving habit habits. Purse. What What are you doing with the Tesla?
3: Yeah, look, I, I, I drive to the office a bit. I do visit stores. I work in retail in in supermarkets and visit um, visit quite a few supermarkets. So that could be anywhere over the state, really. Um, generally, don't venture too far out, but um, yeah. So it's pretty fluid. Um, I get a bit of a balance of of doing that. I'd probably travel anywhere between three and five hundred. A week, I'd probably say, um, yeah, wow. so a reasonable amount. Um, but then some weeks I'm, I might be just working from home or the office and and do about a hundred. So it is a, a little bit erratic, um, but I, I do not find that really a challenge in terms of charging or, or doing any of that. But um, yeah, and, and obviously holidays and things like that. So I've taken the car on some big road trips and yeah, haven't haven't really interacted any uh, any problems.
2: It's incredible and for someone that doesn't have a charger at home and yet you're using their car for a good couple of hundred kilometres every week, yeah, tell us about your charging habits Like, how do you pull that off, not having a a charger (laughs) at home, how does it work?
3: Yeah, well, I'm very fortunate to live in the inner city of Melbourne where literally less than a kilometre down the road from my place, there's a, a Tesla supercharger so, I often uh, often drop down there um, when I need to, and and kind of a friend of mine uh, bought a Tesla off my recommendation, and actually Tesla had a refer a friend program at the time. Um, and uh, we often collude to try and go for a charge down there because there's a pub across the road, so we have a thing <laughs> while we charge. There's also a very nice cafe next door, so we so sometimes in the morning I might go there and grab a coffee and go for a walk along the river or something like that. So. Um, that's probably my main source there's also a charging uh, we've put in charging facilities at work so um, if I if I drive into the office which I'm probably there two two to three days a week uh, if I need a charge I'll just plug in um, and leave it there for the day and it's fully done by the time I need it so they're probably the main kind of regular charging rhythms Um, I've also got quite a few benefits especially when I do go work for work. Um a lot of shopping centers these days have put in charges. So if I'm visiting a store and there's a shopping center with a charger, I'll make sure that I um go go there and charge. So I've got I've got a full charge and and go from there. Um, And yeah, I think like the I suppose when I do road trips and things like that, it's really around using apps like ChargeFox and um, you know, the Tesla app to be fair also shows where the main kind of destination charges and things like that are, which I find very helpful and you can kind of plan that into your route and, and um where you need to go. And I think the beauty of the Tesla is as soon as you plug in your destination, it says how much charge you're gonna have um when you get there, but also if you're doing a round trip, how much you're gonna have when you get back. And uh, I use that as a real method to understand what, what I need to do in terms
2: of charging habit. Brilliant. Wow, that's amazing. So, just going back to the the pub and the is it the bakery or cafe? <laughs> no, it's, it's a cafe. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> it,
2: it sounds like you've turned charging into a bit of a social slash uh, de stress uh, occasion in your in your week or month when you when you go charging. Is that is that how how it works?
3: Uh, Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I look, I try and use it as efficiently as possible if, if I can, whether it be at work or, um, when I'm out working in a shopping center, I know they have one. So, and usually there's a very minimal, if, if any kind of wait time for a charger I've found. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think you've got to use the time. I often see people just sitting in their cars, you know. I mean, in the Tesla, you can obviously watch some Netflix while you're waiting if you really wanted
2: to. <laughs> um,
3: but, yeah, no, no, I try and utilize the the dwell time. And, I mean, it, it can be generally, tally, you know, 40, 40, 40, 45 minutes maybe. So, it's not not a huge amount of time. Um, but, uh, yeah, try and utilise the time as effective as possible.
2: And in terms of some of those longer trips that you do, um, either for work or for um, play, what are you having to do around preparation for that? Are you, are you thinking about the, ro- the distances you need to travel or are you sort of just jumping in the car and going?
3: Yeah, look, I, I think that is probably the biggest difference being a, a full electric vehicle versus, you know, when I had had petrol or a combustion engine vehicle. Um, I really do think about where I'm going and how much charge I've got almost every time I jump in the car. Um, and I always try and plan out my week as well. So if I'm going to the office, all right, I'm at 40%, but actually it's worth plugging in for the day. So because I've got to go on a road trip for, you know, on Saturday or whatever. So definitely have to be a bit more planned and prepared because it's not like you can just kind of, you know, just drop in wherever you are. Um, that said, you know, you can just plug into a, a normal GPO um, if you really need to, which I have had to do once. But, um, you know, yeah. so there is accessibility kind of anywhere, anywhere you can get power um, if you really need it. But obviously that's a very slow charge. Tesla have definitely put in a lot more destination, rural, regional charges now. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge will be is um, how they maintain volume for those things. So, you know, there's one in Geelong which has got four points. There's one in kind of Mornington which has eight points. It'll be as the more more people convert to EVs, um, how do they – I suppose, bulk up that infrastructure where otherwise you're going to have queues and queues of people kind of waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm sure they've done done their homework. They're a smart company um, with lots of smart people working there.
2: Coming back to the point where you raised uh, with your landlord around having a charger installed, just, just run us through that conversation again and sort of what, what transpired and, and, and the ins and outs.
3: Yeah, so I wasn't going to put in like a proper charger anyway because I knew I was looking to leave, so I was just going to get a like a, a kind of three phase power put into the to the garage and um, plug in as needed, which would just be a bit of a slow charge, so an overnight charge, which would be fine. Um, yeah, look, the managed through the real estate agent. I just sent a request, and and they said I oh, will take it to the to the owner and see what they say, and then. They realised that there was going to be a significant switchboard upgrade required to do it and the cost of that was, you know, in the over $1,000 for them. So that comes their responsibility. So there was a bit of resistance on that front and and to be honest, in the end I just said, look, don't worry about it. It's it's not a, a big deal. I'll, I'll make do and, you yeah, know, I did think I was probably going to leave a bit sooner um, than that. <laughs> you know, lots of, lots of challenges um, but, yeah, hopefully buying a, a place soon. Yeah. Albeit they're looking for a place that not, not necessarily has parking. I ideally would be, so I can charge, but I, I saw something very interesting which I thought you might like, Joel. Um, I was looking, we're looking to buy kind of in the middle park, uh, St Kilda West kind of Port Melbourne area, which is a lot of on street parking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not too dissimilar to to kind of where you are in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Not many, not every place has has parking on site. And uh, I did see someone had run across um, from their front front yard out of. I think it was either out a window or it was a proper. I think it was a proper Tesla charger from the side of the house, up through a tree, over <laughs> the tree, and down onto the side of the road, plugged straight into the to the Tesla out the front. Outstanding, creative, and I've seen people get those those. um you know, those floor covers, like the proper industrial floor covers that you see at like a concert that covers the cables and things like that and everyone walks over. I've seen a few of them on the street as well where people have just run them across the floor and plugged them into the car. So people are getting creative um, to, to get their cars charged at home.
2: Totally, totally. Yeah, we're hearing some interesting stories about people finding innovative ways to charge their EVs, if, especially if you don't have um, off-street parking. And, and just... With thinking about a new place, a new residence, uh, is that a factor? Like, is that a factor to to try and ensure you have off-street parking or because you've become so accustomed to to not having it, you're kind of okay?
3: Yeah, look, I I would have said, you know, 18 months ago, two years ago before I'd I'd purchased the car and and realised That I didn't need it I would have said yeah absolutely I'd be looking for a car space it has to have a car space and now we're finding where we want to live actually there isn't that many off-street parking and we've kind of um I suppose moved away from that being a a necessity um and actually you know finding an off-street park is very easy in those suburbs which is also a key consideration but um yeah, I would say two years ago, I wouldn't have. I would have said, "No, nah, absolutely need a car park for that reason." Um, but now, I, I've definitely compromised and said, "No, I, I, there's so many ways around it. It's less of a concern or an issue."
0: So that was Sean and his particular story, owning a Tesla and living in Melbourne. What are our thoughts about what he goes through and, and how he's living with his EV?
1: I mean, where he left off at the end there about how. You know, now that he actually has a conscious choice of what to get next that it's really not a priority for him to be charging at home like he's essentially developed the luff of a lifestyle to not have to I guess bear that cost ongoing right so I think that's really fascinating because I I mean I would have assumed that you know hands down you know get that organised when you get a place and you're set it doesn't seem like he's, he's he needs that.
0: Well, a few things struck me about his story was the fact that his work, and he doesn't say where he works, but obviously a very progressive place with enough money and foresight to integrate electric vehicle charging. So that's quite interesting. And potentially going into the future, something where those big companies can lure workers in with uh, secondly was obviously Melbourne, uh, particularly inner city Melbourne. Again, quite a progressive place. Not sure if his local members, the Green, one of the Greens winners. Uh, but uh, they've looked at their urban infrastructure and thought, well, this is important to our residents. If not now, then definitely in the future. So there are a couple of specific location reasons why he's able to not charge at home. He lives in an affluent, progressive place in Australia, and not everyone can necessarily do that or relate to that, but it's interesting to see maybe where some of those councils can go in the future, and hopefully that'll get pushed out to more areas in Australia.
2: Totally. I just thought it was really interesting that he had the intention to get in the charger and then couldn't do it because he was leasing. Landlord said no, and so, all right, I'll just wing it and see how we go, and then didn't need it. So I thought it was, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, I think you, like, bang on there, Nina, with the fact that he kind of has the luxury of to make it up as he goes. Like, some people just have no choice, right? Um, but I think, yeah, it's definitely a good window into the future, but fully expected that, that future isn't. You know, for a lot of people, it doesn't exist yet.
0: No, I don't think our local shopping centres will have EV stations as yet. All right. Well, that was Sean. And, Joel, you did speak to two other people, again, with very different experiences. So, coming up next... uh we we are yeah we're going to hear from Naomi who doesn't live in Australia so again maybe a window into what's happening internationally and potentially what may happen here in Australia or just her particular experience living in one of the most congested busiest cities uh, so let's hear about Naomi's story living in the UK with a small family and her EV story
4: I live in London, uh, South London. We live in a terrace house and I live in it with my husband, Jamie, and my daughter. And my daughter is one and a half. Um, so yeah, we're a small family. Um, but um, yeah, we will hopefully have some more children and yeah, we needed to change our car because our old car was pretty small.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you So you had to upgrade... Because of the family upgrades as well.
4: Yeah actually I would say it was it was Christmas last year we drove to our family and our daughter was only nine months old in her little car seat and well we couldn't really see her from the front seat because there was just so much stuff like between the enough bags that you need to and just all of the other stuff that comes with having a child, our little Volkswagen Polo was just too small. So we just decided at that point we've got to get a new car. And that's when we started looking. The other point that we needed to sort of, the milestone that it needed to reach or the, the point that we needed to have right to make it work as well as space was how far can the car go? And yeah. we only looked at cars that could go more than 250 miles. Nice. I'm sorry, because so I know right. you guys do kilometers over uh, there, I'm but yeah, 250 there. miles. Yeah.
2: Uh, so, um, so range, range was definitely an aspect when you're looking into it and in that sort of short. Uh,
1: yeah, short definitely. Lifespan.
4: So our driving habits are we don't drive to work. Nobody drives to work in London because we both work in the city. So we always catch public transport. So commuting for us is not something that we needed to think about. And it probably never will be either. Um, we... In fact, usually do very short journeys. So journeys to go and see friends that are difficult on public transport or are on the weekend. Journeys to go and get groceries or just do things on the weekend that we need to do. That, to be honest, we were starting to feel like, to be quite honest, quite guilty taking on the weekend. Mm. Like really short journeys. Like London is a really congested place. And actually there's loads of traffic. So it, it you just feel quite bad. Um, and I live in, um, well, my, my family live in Wales, so we needed to go at least three or four hours in the car without having to stop. Um, I guess things change a little bit when you have children, like, you know, you have to factor in more stops on the journey than if you were just traveling on your own or with your, with like with other adults. Um, but the, obviously, what we didn't want to be stopping to charge the car on the, on the way home.
2: So yeah, tell us about your charging habits, especially being in. You know, I mean, I don't know if you call it central London, but you're very much in the, in the thick of it there. Uh, yeah, how, how do you Let's definitely charge?
4: say built up <laughs> where we live. We don't <laughs> live in the middle of London, but we live in yeah the. Suburbs that are full of houses, all terraced houses or, or flats. And I would say we live in a, on a busy-ish road. Um, you know, we've got two, we're between two primary schools. Uh, we have a, yeah, we have a lot of people around. So when we first bought the car, in London there are a lot of, they are called like lamppost charging, but it's not lamppost charging. It's just on a t- on a t- on a street they have the um, charging points and and bays which you can park in if you live on that street if you don't have an electric car, but they are meant to be reserved for drivers of electric cars that want to use that bay to to park their car and charge it so there's one about five streets away, which I've heard some people say is a barrier to them wanting to have even a hybrid car, but for us, it was not a problem at all. If you're charging it, you're not driving it. You don't need to be anywhere near the car. I, I don't really see the reason why that's a problem. So that wasn't a problem for us, or we charged there a few times. The only issue for us was the was the cost. So um you are just beholden to whoever runs that charging point and they can charge you whatever they want and you you do find yourself downloading a lot of different apps for the different charging entities and there are a lot in London because mm. I think the way that the London councils run it or well councils across the country is they will hire where they will just let a company um, run that station in a similar way, I guess, to the way they would um, let another company run their parking uh, service. Yeah. So it, as yeah. in, if you want to go and park somewhere, that is like you have to pay for the parking, you have to go to the machine and, and pay there. It's pretty much the same principle with the, with the charging. Most of the charges near us are the fast but not rapid charging and for us that's about eight hours charging from a pretty low battery level to 100 Mm -hmm. percent we would park it overnight or park it in the day whilst we were working from home so we used those quite a lot and then we decided for cost purposes and just for ease of use we would install a charger in our house it was quite a cost, um, it, it was about a £1,000 to get somebody wow. to do that. But for us, it was so much easier. And f- the main issue was that we, we do have parking spaces on our street, but the space right outside our house is always taken by our neighbour, who <laughs> is actually now going to turn it into disabled parking space which means we can never park in it oh which is fine because we are on good terms with him he's a lovely guy yeah. and obviously he needs to be able to use his car more than us and he needs to be able to access it closer to his house than we do mm-hmm. but um so we park around the corner so we live on the last but one of of a, a street and then there's another street obviously behind us so we park around the corner so we we can't use the cable that came with our car because it does it <laughs> yeah. isn't long enough yeah. So there were two things we needed to think about. We needed to buy a 15 meter cable to run from <laughs> our house d- down the pathway <laughs> and around yeah. the corner to make sure that it got to the car. And then we also had to think about um covering the cable because uh w- we are running it across a pavement and that was the thing that I had, I had done a lot of research about. So different councils in the UK allow you or don't allow you to run cables across the street. I guess it's because of like liability. If somebody hurts themselves cause it's a trip hazard, but the cynical part of me is also that the councils want you to use their charging stations because yeah. they'll get some money from it. Um, Luckily, where we live, they they allow you to do it as long as you've covered it properly. So we had tried a few different methods of um, covering it, and the best method is to buy festival grade cable covers that are bright yellow that you run the entire cable in a channel. And honestly, I think a truck could run over it. It's (laughs) so They're really heavy to carry, but we only have to go around the corner. So we run them across the pavement so that anybody who is, um, walking will be able to see it and either step Uh on it or step over it or, and anybody on wheels um, which is obviously a consideration um, because there are obviously people in wheelchairs, but there are a lot of people with prams where we live. Because yeah. there's just so many families here. They can run over the top of it, and it, it doesn't cause an issue for them. So for us, it's yeah. been no problem, although I will say anytime we charge out there, p- other people who have electric cars in the area always come and say, Or are you not worried that somebody will sue you or... But... For us, it, it, we've had, we, no, nobody's tried to sue us and we <laughs> think it's completely safe because you can see it and it doesn't cause any, doesn't seem to cause any problems. Only if I guess those covers open, but we had tried a different type of cover and the cable's too thick for it and it didn't mm-hmm. really work. So yeah, you do have to think about the, the cost of doing that on top of it, but the ease of it is great. So you can come home from a trip where you've almost depleted the battery and just run the cable around the corner, and by the morning the, the car's completely fully charged again. Yeah, it's great. So,
2: do you, is that quite a common thing then in London streets near you, where you'll see people doing a similar thing, or are you are you are you pioneering this? Um, <laughs> so
4: pioneering? I, I wouldn't say it was super common you do see people do it I'm just speaking of the experience in in my area we saw somebody on the street that we run our cable to doing it from their house and I knocked the door and I went in and spoke to them and I just asked them loads of questions about it and I also you just end up asking them what car have they got like why did they make that decision so everybody's really friendly and a lot of people ask us questions as well but yeah not too many I think people probably lean on um using char- street chargers, but probably because either if you have a Tesla the network is a lot better, so probably you could charge out and about a bit easier. Or if you have a Tesla you'll probably got more money than us and you have a driveway. So you just park it <laughs> on the driveway. <train. laughs> Maybe that's why yeah. I haven't seen one. Um <laughs> But also uh, there are a lot of people who drive for a living as in their Uber drivers or, you know, one of the other companies, Sarah Fu in London and they have to charge every night and uh, maybe they have not got, I don't know, maybe they didn't want to buy the cable covers or they would, I don't know, they just haven't done it yet. But yeah, you see it, you see it every now and again, but for us, it was a no brainer. The only issue Mm. was that, after the co- the cost of running that cable, um, because you obviously have to pay an electrician and somebody to to do to do some things in your house that we weren't comfortable doing, and you have to get it certified by an electrician. Um, yeah, it just made sense for us, but I was worried that our council would then say we don't want you to run the cable across the street. We've changed our policy, mm. but so far so good, and yeah, it's it's very convenient for us.
2: So. When you're running your cable from your house around the corner, how much of it is, like, then outside of your property, like, in terms of metres or feet? Like, how much is actually exposed or, like, could
4: people... Oh, so the whole 15 metres is exposed. Oh, right. So So you've got... So the charge point is just outside the door. Uh Uh-huh. So it's outside. Yeah. Yeah. And then it runs probably... Five meters inside the property, yeah. As outside, but it's on our like in our property, in, in the, fence, in the front, yeah. just in the on the pathway, and then the rest of it is outside. So we tuck it around the wall. We trail yeah. it as close to the wall as possible, and then once uh, it starts to run across the street, we cover it with the cable cover, and then it goes it. into the car.
2: Got it. Fantastic. And how how often do you think you have to? How often are you charging using
4: that method? Um We charge it. Oh, it depends on how where we've gone i mean if we have gone on a long trip we will always charge it when we get back i mean if we could charge it on the if we had to charge it on the way home we would charge it for a little bit enough to just get us home and then we would probably charge it yeah. at home because it is so much cheaper but in terms of like a time scale probably twice a month maybe three times a month
0: so we heard from Naomi there, living in central London. Very different experience from Sean. Sean, who had no issues, just lived life free and easy, <laughs> charging wherever he needed to. To Naomi, who is battling a little bit yeah, with I think, her situation. Oh,
1: battling sounds sounds hectic. But even like we listened to, uh, we're going to eat our words a little bit here because. Last time, we were like, oh, this could be a glimpse into the future, what Melbourne's like, and yada, yada. But then you go, all right, let's go to London, where, you know, they've been setting that up for a long time now, a lot more ahead of the game than Melbourne, you might say. And it just sounds like, it's so congested, but it just sounds like chaos. Like, you know, talking about how there's all the the lamp lamppost charging, and there's like all these different companies that do that, and then, obviously, you're beholden to that company, so therefore, you... From a financial point of view, you want to do it from your own home because you have all control over that. But <laughs> if you don't have a driveway or a carport or a garage, you've got to run the cable across the footpath. path. And this, she's like 15 metres down the road. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that sounded hectic.
2: It's brilliant, isn't it? I love the creativity. I, I found it interesting around the costs to charge through some of the public infrastructure and that becoming a barrier, like beholden to some of those um providers that that are out there. And I'm hearing a similar thing in Australia as well. People are finding where you go to the public charging, it's actually quite expensive. And so that stimulus then to set up your own thing at home, but you don't have a driveway. So you're running a gable 15 metres with festival grade protection so that no one trips over it. I just thought it was fantastic.
1: I mean, maybe it could be... I'm making an assumption here, so I'm not saying this is the case, but with... London, or like just the UK in general, and Europe, have obviously got much higher adoption of EVs, and it's much more of an everyday life for them. It, sort of, it also becomes really big business, too, right? Like so you're going to have different providers offering different things at different rates. And if anything, it just sounds more complicated when there's more people using them, using EVs is what I mean. So Yeah, I I guess, like, maybe Australia's in this nice little naive spot where there's only, like, one or two, you know, types of ways of doing it, so it's a bit easy street, like we heard from Sean. But, you know, maybe pretty quickly it's going to become a lot more complicated than that.
0: Yeah, it does sound like they... Thrust a little bit into the free market of go forth, and different providers can just set up their own lampposts, and it, it just sort of struck me a little bit in London where what is it the like the legal cabs that people run a little bit like that situation of people setting up a lamppost and living night and being all right, it's, it's ten dollars a minute, and you know if you have no other option you're like okay, okay I guess I'm going to pay this sidewalk person. <laughs> A hundred bucks for for my ten minutes of charging, whatever it is. So I think that's interesting, and obviously Naomi's doing her best. And obviously the f- the festival grade covering is the best type of situation. But imagine if the, there were a thousand Naomis within a couple of kilometers of where she lived nightmare. Whether you have wheels or not, a wheelchair user, pram, whatever your mobility issues to start with just a normal pedestrian trying to navigate that and it would be a eyesore as well mm, uh, totally. I, I mean th- very totally soon not sustainable, right? yeah, yeah. london or whatever her council is they're going to have to find a way to i'm, I'm going to say maybe not let people do that or improve their council offering or incentivize infrastructure. the yeah. infrastructure build whatever it is because if that starts happening here in sydney there's going to be a lot of complaints.
1: Oh, there already are. I think I've every I've also heard from people, let's say, like the inner city suburb in Sydney, Balmain. Um, it actually, you know, is exactly that. It's the highest, um, the highest, you know, per population use of EVs in a city. And yeah, like every all the residents are just up in arms going, "Like I need better ways of charging. Like this is ridiculous." So it's already here. But nobody really has a, a solution. And it doesn't sound like with London and mate, all those people, all that money, all that all that, you know, intelligence in a in a very, very urban environment. Haven't figured that out yet. It's like, oh jeez.
0: There we go. All righty. And our third interview guest is Christabel. Very different experience again from the other two. Not in a city, not even in a city or any big place. She has a very different living situation. She's further out, rural, rural experience, uh, lives in a small community and has to deal with her charging and driving in a very different way. So let's hear from Christabel and her story.
5: So I live at a, um, in a rural area about 15 ks from Byron Bay, inland on the Byron hinterland, so, um, we live on a, uh, an intentional community of 113 acres with 12 households. And we set this up, uh, 25 years ago. So we have 12 households. We each have nearly 1.85 acres. We have our own, um, wastewater treatment systems. We have our own electricity. We have our own, well, we've got our own hang on water on site sewage management system and we grow our own solar. So we put in a 10 kilowatt solar system in 2011. And with the with the power we get from that, we charge the house and now we charge the car too.
2: Uh, tell us a bit then about your driving habits. What, what are you sort of doing from a week to week, month to month perspective with your EV? Uh,
5: well, like just about everybody up here, I work from home. So um, I've just, the last couple of years and, and during COVID, I haven't made long distance trips. Um, the Kona has a range of 450Ks, so I could easily get to Brisbane and back, which is like 200 and something, um, or 187, I think it is. But I haven't done that yet. But when, um, when what, oh, that's right, um, some family members who live in Canberra were about to go overseas for three years, so I thought, right, good opportunity to do a long trip. So that's what I've just done. I just drove down there um, just before Christmas Um, which is a 2,000K drive there and back. So um, to start off with, I was um, somewhat apprehensive because up till now I've just charged either at home um, using power that we generate here or if it's been raining for a few weeks, I go down to there's a tourist place called The Farm and there's a free NRMA charging station there. So I go down there and I try and do it after hours because it's a very popular tourist place. So there's always a stream of cars lined up there. So if I go at like 6 o'clock in the evening, I plug it in, go for a walk, or if it's in the daytime, I'll have a coffee or whatever, um, and then I can get, you know, a couple of hundred Ks. If I plug it in overnight, I can get um, on, you know, using the AC, then I get a couple of hundred Ks. Um, but if I want more than that in a hurry, then i either um i use a zappy i've got a zappy as well as the granny giant All oh, right. how do i charge it okay the options yeah. are first of yeah. all i can plug into the wall in the garage just that's just yep. the ac that's slower yeah. but it's basically negligible in cost so i can do it at, if i i could try and do it um at weekends when it's off peak um so i charge in oh, l- like you um if you've got if you have solar you try and um Turn on your washing machine and your dishwasher in sunlight hours because you're using the sun that you've generated rather than using, you know, off the grid. Um, totally. Yeah. So, first of all, um, I'll, my options would be do it overnight. If I'm in a hurry, I might use the Zappy. And I got the Zappy, which is a machine that you have plugged, you have it fitted to the wall, but it's much faster. And it can also mm-hmm. differentiate between um, um, the, uh, it waits till your batteries are full before it yep, uses it yep. to charge the car, which is really smart.
4: Yep. Smart, so I use,
5: yep. yeah. So if not that, then I'll go down to the farm. So up yep. till now, that's worked perfectly fine. I haven't made any terribly long trips. I've gone, you know, a couple of hundred Ks here and there, but never anything substantial. So yep, when fantastic. I was planning to go to, to Canberra, I called up Seb and said, what do I do? Because I knew he'd, he'd use my car as a sample. when The good car company had an event up here. And he borrowed my car as a demonstration car and came back and told me all these things I didn't have a clue about. You know, I didn't even mm. realise there was a bloody, um, you know, the skylight thing. Anyway, there's yeah. a whole lot of things he told me about, so it was great. So he said, okay, what you need to do is download PlugShare, um, A Better Plant, Root Plan, APBR, which is what Brady yeah. told me also, and make sure you download all the charging um, uh, apps. So ChargeFox. EV, they were the ones I used basically, yeah. Um, yeah, just those two. So I downloaded them all. The night before I tried to figure out how a better planning app, a better oh. planning route worked, and um, I downloaded it, put it on my phone, oh. plugged it into the car, and I couldn't get it to work. So <laughs> I left home, I tried, stopped five times, I called up, said, couldn't get it to work. So what I did then is because I sort of mapped out the trip, I knew that the first stop was going to be in Maxville, so and I had the address. I'd written down the address, so I just used the GPS on the car to to guide me there. But what Seb had always said was, as soon as you've charged, work out your next charge place, so that um, and see if anyone's using it and all that sort of stuff. Got a bit complicated for me, so I just made the point of. charging it at maxville and then because i decided to break up the trip between sydney uh here in sydney stay overnight somewhere so i didn't have to drive for eight hours i booked a room at tari and these days on booking.com there's a filter you can use so that you can select a place uh, a motel which has charging options so mm. i found a the alabaster motel very nice yeah. and they, yeah. and they oh, just, a, just an ordinary motel but they were very smart in that they've put in the option to charge. I'd first called up some other place there and the lady said, oh, no, we heard that they catch fire. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. (laughs) But then I found out about the bookings.com and and checked that. So the guy was really helpful so I could charge an extra 100Ks using their granny charge overnight. Just the same, the next day I went to the nearest NRMA one, which was in Nabiac, which wasn't too far, about half an hour away, topped up there. That took me to Sydney. So in Sydney, I thought, well, that's not going to be a problem because where my daughter lives in um, Mossman, just behind Mossman Council, there's a charge station. It wasn't working. Um, They've just installed four more around the corner. So I went around the corner. They weren't operational yet. So I thought, oh, God, what do I do? So I thought, I'll just start. I'll just go. I've got 130 k so I should be able to, you know, at least make a start. Um, Then I started getting nervous. So I found an NRMA charge station. But someone was going to be there for the next hour and a half, and I wanted, I wanted to get on the road. So I tried several hotels, just, you know, Novotel or whatever the nearest hotels were, and they said, yes, yes, we've got chargers, but they were the overnight, the drip feeder, the slow charger. So it took me yeah. a few minutes to realise that. So I tried a couple of hotels. Then I thought, okay, Hyundai, where I bought the car, they must have chargers found the nearest Hyundai place, went there, plugged it in, had some lunch, got back. It was like three kilometres more. So I thought, oh, God. (laughs) So I thought, I've got to set off. I've got to go. So I started driving. (laughs) Then I got really paranoid. So in the end, I um, remembered the advertisement and I called the NRMA and I said, this is where I am. I'm desperate. Everywhere I've gone for the last three hours hasn't worked. The lady was so lovely. She um, directed me six kilometres to the nearest fast charging station, assured me that there were four stations there. I got there. I plugged in, filled it up and chuffed off to Canberra with no problem. but So that was the worst out of the whole experience. That was the worst day. And that was basically because I hadn't understood when Seb said, um, only look for fast charging stations, I kind of, that had gone out of my head. So it's vital to remember fast, DC, not AC. Yes. So that was, yeah, yeah, DC, not AC. And I hadn't kind of.
2: And the apps didn't pick up or tell you there was a charger six kilometres away? They didn't tell Yeah, they, you do
5: they do that. They do but, that. Um, but because I'd mapped it out, like the first stop, fill halfway, then I realised that within the you know, half an hour I could get more. They do. You've got to just get familiar with the apps, and I wasn't ready yeah. to start off with. Plugshare yeah. is the best, really, really, really is the best. Um, and yeah. the other good thing about Plugshare is um, you can make a little note. So you can say to some, oh, you can say um, there's a toilet nearby or there's great coffee around the corner or some bastard's hogging the charging <laughs> table. And people say all this and they take photographs and they're really, really helpful.
2: Just coming back to how you charge because that was really yeah. interesting when you talked You talked about your 10 kilowatt solar capability and then yeah. you, it almost sounded like you had a priority of, or a, a system in your head about the levels of which you then or the things that you might go to depending upon uh how much ch- well how the weather's been oh, or uh, how you yeah, yeah, need to yeah. talk yeah. just run yeah. us through that again that was really fascinating
5: okay, okay. Yeah. today is a clear, clear sunny day so i know i can check i've got um a thing on my computer where i can see how much the batteries have charged today so i know by about it, it starts charging the the panels start charging at about seven and by about 12 they're full so i know i can go into the garage and use the zappy and fill it up for, for a couple of hours or an hour or two and i can get, usually i try and charge at the weekend because it's just easier if i get three or four hundred k's at the weekend that lasts me 10 days or whatever it lasts me quite a long time um, but the first option is a sunny day I'll wait till the batteries have um, charged up and got enough grunt in there and then go and charge it, um, if, whatever it's called. Um, if it's overcast, um, I'll just see if there is anything, because even if it's overcast, the, bat- the, the panels charge, you know, they create electricity. Um, but after a few days, it doesn't. So I go. then I'll take the option of going down to the free NRMA charger and going after hours and charging there.
2: And what, just the difference between the granny charge and the zappy charge, what's the difference yeah. between those two?
5: Granny is slow. I can get yeah. probably 120. If I plug it in, you know, at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, by tomorrow morning I'll have an extra 100, 120 k's. If I use the zappy, I can get much more in a couple of hours. I can't rem- I can't oh. tell you exactly, but it's, you know, 250 I could get in a couple of hours, something like that, 250 k's. So, yeah. th- so the difference is before... Um, um, I think you were asking before, um, going on a long trip, what's the difference with an EV? Well, as yet, until there's a really um, designated, a clear channel of, of, of charging stations that all work, um, you are more apprehensive. You are a bit more on edge because um, you just it's just a whole different way of looking at your car because you, you suddenly you're conscious of, what you've charged, what your batteries have done, what the panels have done, you're sort of more tuned in. It's like growing your vegetables. Suddenly you're into growing vegetables and all you see is vegetables. It's the same thing. Once you have a leave here, you've just got to think a bit differently about how you charge, how you operate your car. So with a, all my life, with a petrol um, car, you just hop in and you go. You don't even think about where you're going to fill up. You know, You don't even think about it. Now you've got to be a bit more conscientious. What I enjoy most is if I have to go up to the Gold Coast where there's a whole lot of traffic lights. If I happen to be on the front, you know, the front of the traffic light thing, and there's a guy in a Ute. Guys in Utes always want to go to the front of the queue, <laughs> so I sit there, little old lady, and I and I fang it, and it's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. Go, <laughs> I love it. It's how I get my kicks.
0: Oh, oh, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. I love her. The fang and grandma. <laughs> yeah. Christabel. I was like,
1: just like, giving her the giving tradies in the youth I walked for I'm like, yeah, you think you got something to be? <laughs> gotcha, mate. I gotcha.
0: That's interesting. Uh, I actually can't remember what car, what electric car does she drive? She, I think she mentioned... Kona. A Kona, that's a Kona, right. And that's Kona. one of the more affordable-ish yeah. ones. Sort of yeah. mid-range. Mid, mid-range. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go. She can attest to the power of yeah. one of the more affordable ones. So you don't necessarily need a spaceship to to fang it against <laughs> the U drivers of <laughs> Australia. Uh I mean a couple of interesting things with Christabel's story, obviously very different experience. She's regional, essentially middle of nowhere potentially. But she had two main kind of charging experiences. Do you wanna Maybe summarize that for us, Joel.
2: Yeah, really, she was charging from home. like She had the solar set up at home uh, via the granny charger that she called it or the, the Zappi, which was a bit smarter. But when the weather wasn't great, she'd go down the road to the fast charger or she just needed a, a quicker overnight fast charge. Uh, and so it was only one of those two places. And it was really interesting hearing that story about Canberra where she had to really plan it out and had to call our mate Seb that actually appeared on a few of our previous episodes Uh, because, yeah, getting really stuck when venturing out from that sort of that that one bubble that she was operating within.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting around hearing all the different types of apps that she was encouraged to download uh, while she was on that phone with Seb. It's like, well, do you have this and do you have this to charge? And so I think that also could be a generational thing, Christabel being a little bit older maybe than sort of us and and the people we've been speaking to, where that sort of app mentality or the digital infrastructure isn't necessarily there. So, her understanding, well, actually, I need to have this tool in my pocket to be able to deal with EVs. As she said, it's not just about jumping in a fuel car and getting out there and you don't even need your phone. You actually do need your phone with EVs.
1: Yeah. And also that the solution isn't assumed anymore so probably for a long time having a petrol car she just didn't have to think about it because the solution was just always there right like go find a petrol station and there you go but maybe with age, but also just with how she compared it to like, well, it's a completely new way of looking at your car. Like you would, if you say difference between going to the grocery store and getting your vegetables versus growing your own, and then, oh, well, I've actually got to think about this a lot more, right? There's a lot more planning or thinking. Um, I found that to be a really great parallel that she herself had identified. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think once, like, I mean, not to jump to a solution, but, If you had, like Seb, you you knew those solutions were available, it would be less of an anxiety around, oh, what do I do? Because they would be there. Um, It's more around that learning curve that that would be pretty anxiety-inducing and frustrating and confusing. She definitely sounded confused a few times there. Um, But yeah, I think that it's a really interesting point.
2: So what, having heard all of those three, what did you make in terms of the comparisons of the stories and
1: oh gosh so different each one was really unique I mean you can draw patterns a little bit I mean it's quite anecdotal it's not like a big huge you know sample of people but I mean the key takeaway for me is that like they were unique kind of like a very unique way of each one sorry was unique in how they approached it and their mindset in their living situation and their family The the priorities were different um I personally have much more of a kind of... I feel a lot more lean towards what Christabel was doing in terms of having to manage f- what longer time spent on the road in a vaster amount of space as a way of being like, oh, that's a good kind of example there where there would be that common, more of a common story that I would probably have in my mind in terms of what I'd need to navigate. Um, But yeah, it's so different for each person.
0: I think it just comes down to planning at the end of it all. Before you even think about an EV, it's not the same as buying a car off the lot and just driving it into your spot and then that's it. It has to be, okay, what is my living situation? What is my local council offering? Are there fast charges at the local library or the shopping centre? what's on the agenda potentially looking at your local government area or your even your apartment or strata or street? Is this something that might be coming in the next year or two? So I think people really need to plan ahead to not be caught out, not be scrambling to run 15-metre cables down the street. Think about festival-grade covers to drive 10Ks to a fast charger where they can't necessarily get to those 10Ks every time. So that I think is the biggest takeout is just it's not like – owning an usual ice car, you need to plan ahead. Treat it like an expensive bit of technology, which it is.
1: Totally. What do you think, Joe? Oh, it's great. It
2: was really great just to talk to people who had owned for a couple of years and the differences I found really interesting. But to Nina's point as well, like the consciousness of when i step into or even the day before when i'm thinking about going to drive i've got to think about the charge where's the charge at do i need a bigger charge how do i get that bigger charge where am i going to get it from and all of those questions that go through someone's head uh it really came to the surface when we're having those conversations but yeah it's fascinating it's really great
0: fantastic well that wraps up wraps us up for today's episode. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Thank you also to our guests that we spoke to, Sean, Christabel and Naomi. And don't forget to subscribe and share Making It EV with someone who will find it interesting this podcast is recorded at Forbes Street Studios. And thank you always to the team there, especially Anthony, who is our recording king and keeps us on track. Uh, you can find out more on our website, makinitev.com. And please do follow us on Instagram, ev, for extra content and knowing when our latest episode drops up. Thanks, everyone, and happy driving.